Bible says don't get drunk on wine get filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again we just release every emotional issue to God right now we ask him to be the joy of our hearts be the peace of our life set us straight today God set us straight in your your kingdom on your path oh Lord make every empty place full overflow in our lives today you have not promised us that we will be in a life without tribulation but you said be of good cheer you have overcome the world so Lord even though we are in a world of tribulation we choose to be of good cheer today and as we learn about the end times Lord may our hearts be set on you not just all about the things that are going on in the culture but be set on you today you're our most important focus we're looking forward to you, not just the Antichrist, not to tribulation, to bowls of wrath, four horsemen of the apocalypse. We are focused and centered on you. And we ask you to prepare us in this generation to do our part, to run with the baton that has been handed to us from all the previous generations. Lord, may I run as fast as John Wesley and the other preachers ran. May this church run as fast as all the great churches of the past, Lord. May all the mothers and fathers and all the businessmen and women here run as hard as all those who have come before us. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, can you say amen? Bless him one more time. Church, praise God. You may be seated in the house of God. How many of you are happy to be here today? Enjoying this wonderful day in January, I mean November. How many know it feels like January outside? But it's still November. November, December, January, February. Those are the four months that we have to get through to get back to those warm days again in March and April. But how many like it cold? You like getting by the fire? You like chopping down wood, putting it in the fire? Come on. I'm driving to Florida tomorrow. Y'all can do that. Praise God. I take about three or four trips between those four months. Don't hate, just celebrate, okay? If you want a life like that, then do what I do, amen? Or fly planes, my, my friends who are pilots and get to work on airlines, get to travel. I was talking to a person in the first service. They uh, have a normal job, but they can't afford to travel as much as they want to with that job. He says, my wife and I, we start saving up. He says, I drive Uber just for that time. He'll make about $1,000 in one week and then catch a flight to Aruba. Come on, no excuses. If you don't like the winner, do something about it. Just don't complain. I did look for those who care, you know, those who care about snowboarding and skiing. I did look to Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. They're putting out snow this weekend. So if you want to start uh, snowboarding and skiing, I used to like the winter because I did that stuff, and then I hurt myself. And then I said, no, I don't like the winter as much anymore. But uh, they make fake snow. They can do it at night, and it, you know, stays pretty much, you know, pretty much out there. So go check them out. Somebody say, watch out. Today we're going to get into the end times. Everybody go, ooh, the scary parts of the Bible, the end times. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. I'm glad that you are here. That was your small talk. Are you ready for big talk now? Awesome. Big talk from the big book. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, Jesus is leaving the temple because he uh, had just rebuked them and had did a lot of stuff in Matthew 23. If you missed it last week, go and check it out on the app or online. And so now he's going to talk to them about the end times. Let's look at my Bible real quick. Red letters is Jesus. Do you think Jesus has anything to say about the end times? Come on. You think Jesus wants to talk about your generation and what's going on in your world? That Jesus got a lot to say about it, okay? So we're going to get into it today, halfway through the chapter, by God's grace. We're going to go to 35, verse 35. So all 35 verses. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples when they came up to him to call his attention to its buildings, temple and buildings around it. Jesus said, do you see all these things, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. Every one will be thrown down. Now I want you to think about this. This is the number one reasons why scholars about 100 years ago in the 1800s said that there was no way these gospels were written before 70 A.D., Because in 70 A.D., it's a historical fact that the Romans seized and pillaged Jerusalem, and they tore down the temple. There's only one part of their city that's left that's known now as the Wailing Wall. But the temple and the buildings within the temple area tore down, destroyed. Now, why would the scholars say the Gospels had to be written after 70 A.D.? Because they didn't believe in prophecy. So what they tried to do was come up with a theory to make sense out of this. Disciples invent Jesus as a mythological figure. Maybe he existed, but they add some things to it, kind of like maybe like Paul Bunyan or something like that. He might have been a real person, but they're going to add all this myth to it. And so the disciples wanted to make Jesus look really smart, so they give him prophecy, but it's really already happened, and Jesus is just you know, make-believe. Here's the problem with that. As we begin to do more archaeology, we now date the oral traditions of our Gospels because they were spread first orally to the time of Christ. Within 10 years of his life, they were being spread around. The Gospels then were written, the first one, Mark, written around 60 A.D. So everybody go, womp, womp. So much for the scholars of that time to try to disprove the Bible. Now, the great majority of New Testament scholars agree that at least Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if not even John, were all written before 70 A.D. Some even put John early with those rest of the Gospels. So now what do we do with this? Jesus is walking away from the temple. This is around 30 A.D. And he says, guys, you're impressed with this. This is something that you, you, you think is where it's at, the temple and all of that. What if I told you it's all coming down? What are you going to do about that? Forty years later, it happened. Our Jesus knows the future. Our Jesus knows the future. Now, what I want you to see is as they come up to him, they're going to start asking some questions about this. Okay, so look at verse 3. Now, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came up to him privately. Tell us, when will these things happen? You're scaring us, right? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They ask three different questions, and Jesus is going to answer these three different questions. The first question that they ask is, when will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed like you just told us? When will this happen? 
The second question they ask is, what will be the sign of your coming? Not signs, singular sign. What will be the one big sign that we now know we're supposed to be ready for your coming? And then lastly, they ask him, what is it going to be like at the end of the age? Do you all see the three questions there? When will this happen, comma, and what will be the sign of your, com- uh, your coming and of the end of the age? Now, of course, the sign of his coming and the end of the age are closely related. We have to understand that, but we need to know why Jesus starts to talk the way he does because he's going to answer these questions. Now, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus answered the questions in the order that he asked? That would be awesome, but he doesn't. And I can relate to this as a, talk, uh, as a talker, as a speaker, if I can talk right, because I answer questions however I want when you ask them to me. So whenever you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it however, however I want. But I'm not going to do it like a politician and dodge the question. So Jesus is not dodging questions. He's just going to answer in the order he wants. If you want to take notes and be a real student of the Bible, I'm going to show you where these questions are answered. Are you ready? In verses 4 to 14, he answers the question, what is the end of the age going to be like? Verses 4 to 14, what is the end of the age going to be like? We're going to get into that right now. Verses 15 all the way to 31. Verses 15 to 31, he is going to tell us when the temple will be destroyed. And then lastly, verses 32 to 35, he's going to tell us the sign of his coming. It's that simple. Now, you might say, I don't believe that, Pastor. Well, then you explain it to me at a different time because I don't know how else to explain him answering those questions other than the way I just explained them to you. When he says, when will this happen? And we know the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and I start to see these things here. These things have nothing to do with the temple being destroyed in 70 AD. When he makes the discussion of the temple, starting in verse 15, he starts talking about the temple. That's how I know it's about the temple. And then lastly, in verse 32, when he says, learn a lesson from a fig tree, I'm just going to say that's the sign he was talking about. It's as simple as reading it, and trying to understand it. Now, once again, you can have your own opinion, your own church, your own Bible study, and you can teach it however you want, but this is the way I believe it. And by the way, you don't have to believe it this way to be a Christian. You can believe this differently if you want, and most Christians, if they argue about anything, it's about the end time. So if me and another pastor were to sit down and start arguing about something, a lot of it has to do with the end times. Now, for me, because I feel like it's not the most important thing, I usually pass on those arguments. So I'm not in the cool kids club arguing about the thing they want to argue about. I just want to go win souls and make sure the churches are living for Jesus. What I don't want to do is just waste time talking about all of these things that everybody thinks they already know and they don't want to listen. So I would say if you're new to this discussion, take the model I give you, kick the tires, drive it around a little bit, see if it works. Just remember the most important thing is to be ready when Jesus comes. That's the bottom line. 
If you're not new to this and you're a vet and you really like to go down deep and into the books and the studies and all of that, you can email me all of your suggestions at pastoradam at mpichurch.org and you can discuss all of the end time subjects you want till 3 in the morning, 24-7, every day. Just make sure you remember that email is once again pastoradam at mpichurch.org. For the rest of us, let's buckle up and enjoy the outline as I believe it is to be read. And by the way, I'm in the majority of Christians in this generation. There's been different majorities of different generations. This is what Moody would teach and believe. This is what the Southern Baptists would teach and believe. This is what the Left Behind series, if you ever watched any of those movies or read those books, believe. This is what the Assembly of God, most Pentecostals believe. So this is a majority position. So if you can nail this down, you'll seem like a Bible scholar when you hang out with your friends on break and talk about Jesus. You can be like, ooh, ooh, did you know this? And point to something in the Bible. And they'll be like, oh, wow, that's so deep. Verse 4, Jesus is now going to answer, what is it going to be like at the end of the age? It's the last part of that question. Here's what the end of the age is going to look like. Jesus answered, watch out, that no one deceives you. Somebody say, watch out. The very first thing Jesus wants you to know about the end of the age, about the time that's the closest to his second coming, is that he wants you to watch out for deception. Deception will be a major issue at the end. Even though there's going to be a figure called the Antichrist, he's going to be ruling over the nation as a one-world ruler, even though there will be a lot of demonic activity upon the earth, and I think some of it will be tied into our fascination with aliens and different dimensions. That's another discussion, but I think it will fit into that, as well as New Age religion, so on and so forth. But listen, the most important thing you need to understand is watch out for deception. Most people, even according to our scripture, who are here for this time do not think they are in the end. They think things will continue on as they've always been. People are going to keep getting married. Life's going to go on. Whatever's happening in the government, it's for our good. Oh, cool. We have one world government. Love it. Whatever they think is going on, trust me, according to this scripture, they will not think I'm about ready to face Armageddon. It is not going to be like, like Bruce Willis taking up a, a spaceship to try to stop a star from exploding on the earth. If anybody remembers those kind of shows back in the 90s and early 2000s. This is not going to be like a 2012 movie. This is going to be, as we get into the next part of Matthew 24 next week, uh, it's, it's, oh, I'll be gone out of town, so come here, Pastor Jared, speak on something awesome. But the week after that, it is going to be like a thief coming in the night. So it's, it's not going to be, oh, I know I'm in the end times. Because literally right now, are, are people who are adopting homosexuality as a way of living going, oh, this is a sign of the end times? Are people who are pro-abortion murdering their own children, are they walking around going, wow, this was just like during the time of Moses and Jesus when they were killing children by the thousands. We're fitting right into prophecy. Are, are they thinking that? 
Not at all. Not at all. All the people building technology, are they thinking to themselves, all of this technology is going to be used to make a one-world government, control our economy, have a cashless society, a mark of the beast to rule the world by these technologies? Are they thinking that to themselves? No, they're just like Facebook. They're just like this. And anybody who is thinking about those things is a conspiracist. They're weird. Don't listen to them, right? They're, they're weird. And, and it's like, no, there's some truth in what conspiracies are built on. Though I'm not a conspiracist, there is truth. People, all they have to do to start watching us, listening to us, is turn on our devices. How hard will that be in the future? If they take away cash and everything is done by your debit card and your debit card can be on a chip along with all your medical information and be implanted into you, how hard is that? Now you can't buy or sell unless you have your chip, and you don't want to lose your chip. Might as well put it in your hand or your forehead. Scan your head because your head goes where you go, doesn't it? And isn't your hand an easy way to put, put out to, to have somebody scan it? The Bible says it will be on the hand or in the forehead. There's the mark of the beast. Wow, isn't that deep? See, I'm telling you, you're going to impress your friends tomorrow at your lunch break, right, or scare them. Oh, I know what the mark of the beast is. It's an ID chip. We don't know exactly, but it's going to be something like that. But what does it say? Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. How do I know that this is not answering the question of the destruction of Jerusalem? At the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, there was nobody going around, I'm Jesus. Jesus had already been crucified. Christians were now being impaled, put oil on them, and set on fire to be literal Roman candles. There was nobody trying to be a popular Messiah figure. This is a time called the end. And guess what? You're a part of that. Now in this generation, we have the largest antichrist false messiahs we have ever seen in the entire history of the world. There is one man named Apollo Quibloy. He is in the Philippines. He has over 6 million followers, and he says he's Jesus. He is literally Jesus in the flesh. I have wrote a book against him that our Filipino missionaries will be taking with them to bring, our, our missionaries to the Philippines, rather, to bring with them. And we'll see if the church takes it serious because when I wrote it about eight years ago, they didn't want to even debate these guys. And now he has grown by the hundreds of thousands to millions. There's also a false Jesus that is in Russia that looks like Jesus or what you would think of a Catholic Jesus, long hair, beard, has a commune. There was a Jesus of Puerto Rico. He adopted the signature of 666 and had people get tattoos of it. He had thousands of followers, amassed millions of dollars. Look it up, Jesus of Puerto Rico. There's a woman now who claims to be Mother God because she used to be married to Jesus. Ick, that's weird. If you're going to make a call, at least have it make a little bit of sense. But somehow Mother God is not married to Father God, but is married to Jesus God. And so she was married to a guy in South Korea who was named Jesus. Now she, Mother God, is keeping the cult going. Worldwide society, worldwide Church of God society. Matter of fact, go to Google, Google that. Then we'll go to their website because some of you may not be impressed with how large these organizations are. We're talking tens of thousands. They claim a few million themselves. So look up Mother God or Worldwide Church of God Society. So I just want you to understand, right now you are alive in a period where there are the largest following of people saying they are Christ. 
probably there's about 10 to 20, maybe upwards of 30 million people on the planet right now following somebody they believe is literally Jesus. Okay, let me just help you here. Go right there, put in a mother God. Put in mother God. Everybody want to have some fun today? Okay, put in mother God. First one that's going to come up is going to be them. Scroll down just a little bit. Right there. Uh, that's the web. Uh, that's the wiki. Let's not go to the wiki. Let's go to theirs right here. World Mission Society, Church of God. I want you to see how large this is in North Korea. Okay, now go to About Us. Go to About Us. No, go to... Uh, I want you to see some of their pictures here. Go to, uh, that's who they believe Jesus was, and he already came. Let's go to Heavenly Mother Activities. Let's go to Activities. Let's see here. Scroll down a little bit. Let's see here. Let's scroll down. I want you to see here the size of their movement. It's all over the country and world. They have some of their group pictures, but I can't seem to find them right now. Go to About Us again. Go to about us. I got it, guys. Just chill with me right now because I've been here before. Okay, scroll down. Scroll down here. There we go. Keep going. You know what? Play the video. Let's just play the video in the background. Play this. I want you to get the idea of the size of this. So basically, don't play the sound. Just have it in the background, and then we'll pause it here in just a minute. Slick. They have a huge society. I mean, a huge uh, main office. I want you to see their gatherings. When they gather, the new Jerusalem. There we go. Pause this. Pause this. Go back to that group shot here. This is their main headquarters there. Go back to about 18. Yeah. Go what? one more second and then pause it. Yeah, right there. This is their main headquarters. Okay. We're not talking about small potatoes here, are we? We're not talking about little organizations. We're talking about large organizations. They believe that woman was married to the second coming of Jesus. That's the generation you're living in right now. So let's go back to the scriptures. Take it serious. Do you think those people believe they're deceived? Do you think those who are following Apollo Quibloy think they're deceived? No. But yet we live in a generation where tens of thousands and millions of people are following false Christs. And I'll tell you where the majority of these people came from was Christian backgrounds. So you may be sitting here today going, well, I don't really, you know, believe in all that, but I'm a Christian. I'm going to keep studying the Bible. You are prime target for them. Because if you don't study about your scriptures and know about your scriptures, you will be following a false Christ. How do you think people follow them? They get deceived. They have their little Bible verses. They, they twist the Bible. They make sense in ways you didn't think it made sense. Like you didn't understand what that scripture meant, that Jesus was married to the church. That doesn't make sense. But then they say Jesus is married to the woman that actually is the head of the church. And you're like, oh, that makes more sense. Jesus would have a literal bride. And so they start twisting the scriptures on you. Come on, somebody. you got to wake up to this. Somebody say, watch out. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. That is true. Now, everybody stop here. Everybody stop. If you just think that's just Jesus just throwing darts in the future, hoping something will stick like a Nostradamus claim, how many people are walking around right now claiming to be Mithra? How many people are walking around claiming to be Zeus? Those were bigger religions of Jesus' time. Why aren't people walking around claiming to be Mithra? 
Zeus, Hercules, I'm Hercules. No, I'm really Hercules. No, I'm the son of Hercules. I'm really Hercules. Jesus prophesied, when I'm about ready to come, this is a mark. There will be many who will say that I am him, that they will say they're me. How could that be faked? How can you fake that? Why didn't Christianity die out like Zoroastrianism? Have you heard of Zoroastrianism lately? No, why, why isn't it today another dead religion, like the dead religions of all the other people groups who have come before us? Why is it today Jesus is the number one person that is faked and, and, and said to be on the earth right now? That was a sign. You better take that serious. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, once again, that could just be like, oh, that's always going to be out there. Jesus is just throwing a dart into the wind. No, but think about it. How did Jesus know there would always be wars? Couldn't there just be peace? Why isn't there peace? I mean, really, we could all just get along. Why hasn't everybody just gotten along? We now know we have nuclear weapons. We now know that we don't want to destroy each other, things like that. Why doesn't everybody get along? It's a sign that we're not going to get along until he comes back. But it says, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen. Somebody say, they must happen. Amen. But the end is still to come. Scroll up a little bit so they can see the scripture that we're answering here. The question that they asked at the end, in the end of the age. They wanted to know about the end of the age. These are the things about the end of the age. There will be false Christ. There will be wars and rumors of wars. But there's still more to come. Excuse me, let's go to verse 7. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we're seeing that even now because what does the word nation mean there? Ethnos. Ethnic groups will rise up against other ethnic groups. What happened in Hopetel, Rwanda? Ethnic groups against other ethnic groups. What's happening right now throughout the Middle East? Ethnic groups fighting other ethnic groups. What's happening in America right now? Ethnic groups against other ethnic groups. What's happening in Latin and South America right now? Central and South America. Ethnic groups rising up against other ethnic groups. What's happening in China and Nepal and Indonesia and those different lands? Ethnic groups rising up against against ethnic groups. You think in 2019, we would all be cool with each other's ethnic group, wouldn't we? I mean, none of us were alive during the slave trade. Has anybody owned a slave right recently? Uh, no one here has been a part of their local tribe or your people group lately. We're all here in a, an American continent uh, or in an American society. None of us here really are walking around claiming I'm Italy, Italian, I'm Zulu, I'm this. But somehow, we still don't get along. And somebody's like, oh, it's the past, it's the past, and it's all the white man's fault. Oh, really? So Africa was amazing before the white person came there. How about this? The African has been there a lot longer than the white person, and they're still there, and the white person's not there. So why did Hotel Rwanda happen? Oh, you know, white people messed up Latin America. Oh, really? So the Mayans were your friends then. The Aztecs were your friends. Oh, yeah, it's Indigenous Day. Let's celebrate them. Study the Mayans. Study the Aztecs. Oh, the Vikings. The Vikings, they were my friends. Oh, yeah, the Vikings were your friends. You're going to dress up like one for Halloween. Live next to the Vikings and not be one for 10 days and see what happens. I'm a different ethnos than the Viking. Can we be friends and I'll dress up like you? No, we're going to kill you, take your wives. The whole world has been ethno against ethno, kingdom against kingdom, and it still continues to this day. 
Why can't it stop? Why can't we all just do what Gandhi, Mother Teresa said, this person said that? Why can't we do what Martin Luther King? Why can't we just listen and treat each other the way we want to be treated? Because it's a sign that until Christ comes back and rules, we're going to be our worst enemies. We're going to keep doing unto others what we don't want done to us. The Bible then says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Once again, people who mock Jesus. Oh, he was just a poor peasant just throwing out his little predictions. Maybe a few stuck, but they're so general. How about this? Jesus, if he was just a poor peasant, why would he say there would be famines? Don't you look at the earth and see how much land there is to grow stuff? Why would people be hungry in 2019? Do you know that just our nation alone produces enough food to feed all the hungry billion people around the world? Just what you eat could feed a whole village. Come on, somebody. Your, your, your little Caesar pizza you put down yesterday could feed a village today. Why are we so big here and they're starving over there? And you might say to yourself, oh, it's because we're so greedy here. No, we send so much aid as a nation, Western nations, send aid to those places all the time. Where does it all go? The corruption of the government takes it. Why, why is nobody running from America across the border to Mexico day, today? Why is anybody trying to run and be a Mexican citizen? Because the government's corrupt. I'm not saying America is the best, but the reason why you're not escaping America today of a refugee into Mexico is because there's a better government here. That's why we can keep the corn we grow. You might say, oh, we still get taxed. Yeah, but still you get to keep a large portion of it. You don't get to keep as much in Venezuela. Venezuela has more oil than we have. They have as much oil as the Middle East, and now they're cooking their dogs. Have you ever seen Africa? Africa's pretty good to grow stuff. Like, why are they still starving in Ethiopia? Dude, Africa is a beautiful country. It's because every time they try to grow something, somebody else from a different ethnos or kingdom comes and takes it from them. And then sometimes they cut off their arms so they can't even farm the land anymore or the women's breasts so they can't breastfeed their children. Study do far. Study Ethiopia. I just had a Somalian in my car the other day as I was driving Uber, and he was saying, your land is so lush and beautiful here because you have human rights. He said, in Somalia, we have no rights. We keep killing each other. We keep doing genocide against each other. And then you don't want to know what he said about Trump because he said he liked Trump. Oh, it took a Somalian to remind us even our worst president still gives us an economy that we can make money. At least he's not the dictator of China who just made himself the lifelong president of that nation. So I'm not trying to say America's the best. Let's pray and ask God to change America. But let's start with you and you and you and you and you and you and you, right? And start with me. But guess what? The reason why we're not starving today is because we have a good civil government that allows us to eat. A lot of countries still don't let you do that. I just had my in-laws from Greece. Greece had a meltdown of their whole economy. I asked them, do you think Greece's government and culture is this way? You know, uh, not culture, but their uh, economics is this way or this way. And both my Greek in-laws went, they don't want to go back to Greece. Oh, it gets quiet when I talk about Greece. You guys want to defend Greece here? 
There's a reason why Greece is falling apart right now. It's not because there isn't good land. It's not because there's not good people. It's because government keeps taking it. Famines. How did Jesus know that? Because he's God. He knew that we would have enough food to feed the entire world, but somehow wouldn't get out there. Every time people would try to eat it, others would steal it and take it and destroy the land. What's the next thing that he said? Earthquakes. Well, he didn't just say earthquakes. He said earthquakes in various places. Now, of course, there's always going to be earthquakes. We, we live in a world full of fault lines. The reason why there are fault lines is because of Noah's generation. It was their fault that the world got flooded. And where did the majority of the water come from? Underneath the surface of the earth, the Bible says the fault lines broke open and the water came up. It wasn't just rain for 40 days, friends. It was the great volcanic water and explosions of the water underneath the earth coming up and separating the continents and doing all of those things. The earth used to be mostly land not water. And so now because of these fault lines, we have earthquakes. But notice what he says in various places. And so now places like Indonesia can get destroyed by an earthquake that happens, what, hundreds of miles away? But here, watch. Earthquakes always happen, but why are more death coming now from earthquakes? Because we're building on those fault lines. We're building along the shores. We're building in Haiti. Not their fault. They're just building on where they can live. But the problem is when the earth starts shaking, before maybe there was only a couple thousand people that would die at an earthquake. Now we'll see as many as 100,000 die in one earthquake because it's in a various, it's in a strange place of how it happens. We're living in the fault lines. We're living in the places where this can happen. Our Jesus is pretty smart, isn't he? But verse 8, I said, our Jesus is pretty smart. Amen. Verse 8 says, all of these are the beginning of birth pains. How many women here have given birth, and you know what the beginning's like, and you know how much harder it gets at the end? Hello, somebody. You know, I've watched my wife give birth six times. The contractions at the beginning are one kind of pain. The other kind, the pushing, is a whole other kind of pain. Jesus said, that's just the beginning, and we're already scared. There's going to be false Christ. There's going to be these wars. There's going to be nation against nation. There's going to be famine. Oh, my goodness, there's going to be earthquakes. We can't get away. And God says, still gets worse. So you better be ready for this. This is what the end will look like. Verse 9, then they will be handed, then you, rather, will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, how do I know, once again, Jesus is not starting answering the first question of when the temple is going to get destroyed? They weren't even in all nations. Therefore, how could they be hated by all nations? I know this is talking about the end, not the destruction of the temple, which we'll get into when he answers that. But in the end, you'll be hated by all nations. Let's just take for a moment being hated by those in Logan Square. Went out and preached there. They don't like what I say. Girl came and urinated in front of us. Took down her pants and urinated. I thought she was going to poop in front of us. Now, let me ask you a question. If it would be legal for her to shoot me, do you think she would do it? In other words, what's the difference in that reaction of peeing or shooting me? Just what the law allows her to do. And she even walked across the line. Now, you know, if a Christian would have peed in front of her, I would have been arrested. They would have looked at my video. They would have found me. But when we showed the video to the police, it said there's not much we can do. No one else was going to be a witness for us other than our own people. So she got to urinate in front of us and go about her merry way. Look up videos of Christians in Orissa, India. 
Watch them get beaten by the Hindu villagers. Now in our day and age, we can witness this. Look at just what happened. What was it in the Ukraine, boo, where they got beaten there? Where were we watching? Open Doors. Look it up for me, please, so they can see. Let's go to the Facebook of Open Doors. Which one? Algeria. Algeria. Right now in North Korea, there's concentration camps for Christians. We're being killed and persecuted in Syria and other places. But Jesus didn't say it would just be random places. It would be all nations. And so what does that mean? All nations need to make a law against Christianity. Well, how far do you think we're away from that? I mean, if we already have people right now that are urinating in front of us, if we already have people that are willing to beat us, just imagine if India with America and all of them just made one universal law, let's just get rid of the Christians and their hateful, bigoted beliefs, and we'll all have better cultures. And if you see them preaching or teaching, you can beat them, you can kill them. The Bible says they'll do that one day. They'll actually think they're doing God a favor when they do it. So a lot of times we think to ourselves like Braveheart or a martyr when we are dying, people are cheering for us and they know how good we are. No, it's actually going to be the opposite. We will be mocked and ridiculed, spit upon, and when we die, they'll cheer that we died, not cheering that we're suffering for something good. They'll be looking at us like good riddance. Finally, we can get rid of these people. Bible says it will happen. And the Bible goes on to say, and at that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. See what will happen? They'll turn from the faith. And now it says again, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So before it was false Christ. People are going to say, hey, I'm Jesus. Hey, I'm Jesus. But now it's not just going to be that. It's going to be false prophets. And what is a false prophet? Somebody that tells you something falsely on behalf of God. Who's our biggest false prophet in our culture right now? It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, yeah, I said it. Oh, yeah, she's got soul Sunday. Friday on Sunday. Sleep in. Stay in your jammy jams. Watch Oprah. She's going to tell you things about God and the way she wants you to believe. Boy, that's a false prophet that has a lot of followers. And when you talk about that false prophet in Chicago, it gets quiet because people get offended when you talk about their idols. False prophets can be your musicians. NBA, he's a false prophet uh, uplifting the God of greed. Your sports stars can be a false prophet if they lift up to you. The lifestyle of the rich and the famous. People will come to you with a message other than the message of God, and many will follow them. And many false prophets will appear and deceive. How many people? Many people. I've heard people tell me all the time, oh, yeah, Oprah, man, she changed the way I looked at things. I see things differently now. I accept this. I used to be against that. Now I accept homosexuality. There's other ways to God. You know, like these kind of people I look up to. Think about how the world is changing in their beliefs. They're still leaders. They're just not Christian leaders anymore. There's people with religion. It's just not the Christian religion. They'll try to say they're not religious, but when you start getting into their life, they'll tell you real quick who their idols and gods and all their prophets are. The Bible says here at the end, as people turn away from the faith, they'll betray each other. In Nazi Germany, parents would betray their own children if their children were against the Nazi government. And the children were taught to betray their own parents to their teachers if their, if their parents were against the Nazi government. All it will take is a few years of this indoctrination. And before you know it, you'll be telling on your parents if they go to church. And your, church, uh, your parents will be telling on you if they're not Christians. You see, right now, you're in a culture pretty much where going to church is still a good thing. 
But what about the cultures where my friends are missionaries at now in, in Muslim countries where being a Christian will cost you your life, not at the hand of somebody else, but at your own family's hands? Live Dead, look it up, Live Dead Mission Movement. Dick Brogdon has told the stories about how children have been killed by their own parents in Egypt and in these different nations, Sudan or uh, it's not, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, and Libya, and these nations that they work in because their parents would rather kill them than them be apostate. Because in Islam, apostatism, uh, apostatizing deserves death. And the Bible says that's what it will be like in the end times. And it says, look in verse 12, highlight this, please. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now notice this. How will people's love grow cold? Because increase of wickedness happens. Okay? Let's say right now you're trying to boil some eggs. And you got some hot water in there and you're trying to boil it. What do you do if you want to cool that water down? Like let's say you don't want to boil. You change your mind. You start putting cold water in there, right? Does everybody get that? If you put cold water into hot water, what does it do? It cools it down. What is happening in this culture right now? They're putting cold water. They're putting their false teaching on your fire for God. And so it's not like you might just start off one day going, you know what? I'm going to cheat on my husband or wife and believe adultery is okay. Or you know what? I'm going to support homosexuality and think that's okay. But what it's going to happen is, is little by little that cold water comes around you and little by little your fire goes down. And so maybe it starts with somebody you really care about. And my best friend just came out as lesbian. But you know what? She went to my same youth group. I know my best friend loves Jesus. Jesus wouldn't send my best friend to hell just because she likes another girl. That sounds so petty. Doesn't God love everybody? You see what's happening? The cold water starts to come in on your worldview, and it starts to temper it down. And then before you know it, ah, you know what? That stuff in the, about, you know, in the Bible about homosexuality, I don't believe it anymore because... My best friend and her friend and all these new people that I've met. Oh, and did you watch that one on America's Got Talent? When he came out, his Christian family was so mean to him. I felt so bad for him. And now he's a great singer and he's flamboyant. And he also is, you know, he's also a drag queen on the weekends. I support him. Boy, it's tempting, isn't it? Temptation is tempting. Deception is deceiving. Now, does that mean we uh, support abuse or inequality in the sense of human rights? No, man, you, you have the right to be a human and do whatever you want, but I don't have to agree with your sexual decisions if it's outside of this Bible. I don't agree with pornography decisions, though I believe you should be able to make money, have a great life. I don't agree, agree with adultery decisions. I don't agree with sex before marriage decisions, and I don't agree with homosexuality decisions. I can love you. I, I, I can let you serve me food. I can buy a product from you. We can live in a great culture together. I don't want to try to rule you from my Bible, but I'm still disagreeing with your behavior. How many Christians are like that today? Because here's the deal. I'm not going to let your increase of wickedness change my love for God and let it go cold. Verse 13 says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So you have to decide to stand firm to the end. Just because you're saved now doesn't mean you're going to be saved in the end. It's up to you to stand firm. It's up to you whether or not you're going to finish what God started in your life, if you're going to walk to the end of the finish line with him. And here is the last thing about the end of the age before Christ comes. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the what? Whole world. In what? 
the whole world, say it again, the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Let's scroll back up and look at Jesus' question. They asked him, let's see if he answered it. Jesus, what's going to be the sign? Haven't got there yet. When will this happen? Haven't got there yet. But of the end of the age, how do we know? We're going to know through these things. Let's scroll all the way down and look at a little quick list there to help you. I've got links. You can check them out. He said, here's how you're going to know. You're living in the age called the end of the age. Here's how you'll know that you're in the last part of the last days. There'll be false Christ. Do you see those? Check. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Do you hear about those? Yep. How about famines? Yep. There'll be earthquakes in various places. Yep. How about Christian persecution? Is that on the rise and happening everywhere? Yep. How about turning away from Jesus and Christianity? Is that happening? Yep. Will the increase of, is there, is there an increase of wickedness in our culture? Yep. Abortion, homosexuality, violence. And how about this last part that I'm most excited about? Is the gospel being preached all around the world? Absolutely. That's why we're supporting our missionaries in the Philippines and in different parts of the world to keep reaching what we call the unreached people groups. And if you click on the 1040 window, it's talking about the latitudinal uh, 10 and 40. In between there is where the majority of the non-church people live, and we're going to get out there to them. We're going to tell them about Jesus. Amen? Okay, now let's go to the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple. So he, he's going to tell them about the temple. Now notice verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place. Where's the holy place? It's in the temple. How do I know he's talking about the temple? Because he's talking about the temple. That's how I know he's answering the question now. Now everybody get this. I'm going to say dual fulfillment. Say it like you mean it. Dual fulfillment. There's going to be two ways to interpret Jesus now talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. One fulfillment. Uno fulfillment or dual fulfillment. Those who believe in a single, one uno fulfillment will say all of this happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. They also see the book of Revelation as already fulfilled. All of the language of the stars falling from heaven and all of those things are just symbolic of a bad day in Jerusalem. The people who believe this are called preterists, which they believe all of it's been fulfilled. Most of them fall into the category of Calvinists. So they're not looking forward to anything else happening. They actually believe Jesus will come back like us, but there are no more signs or things to look out for. They think the end of the age was for those Jewish people, and here was the proof because their temple was destroyed. That's single fulfillment because it was destroyed, wasn't it? But I believe in dual fulfillment. And then when I look at the prophecies of the Old Testament, I see dual fulfillment all the time. For example, in the Old Testament, when it talked about Jesus being born of a virgin, do you think at that moment they understood that to be Jesus and that was going to be relevant for them? No, Jesus didn't come to hundreds of years later. So how was that prophecy relevant to their actual time? This reminds me of the one person who thought they were going to be sassy and was like, why didn't God write E equals MC squared in the Ten Commandments? Then we would all know there's a God. Give us some scientific fact. Well, that would mean for about 4,000 years, people didn't even know what they were writing down. Just so you could stumble upon it and then still make your own excuses of why not to believe it. The Bible's not a magic show. They were writing down things that were apparent to them at that time and meaningful and things that they could see were a part of their life, even though some of it might be for the future. But they knew that something had to do with where they were at right now. 
So take, for example, the talks about the end times that literally they wrote about. Isaiah wrote about our times, even right now. Daniel wrote about those times. How are they supposed to apply it? Well, to the times they were living in. There would be troubles. There would be wars. There would be bad things in their time, but they were to see Christ in the middle of it. But they would know not just in their time, but in the future there was going to be an extreme time that God would be good in, similar to their time, but more extreme. Same thing with Jesus, being born of a virgin, this chosen one. Well, were there other chosen ones in the Jewish culture? Yeah, but they weren't born of a virgin, but they were still chosen to do great things. And so when those children would rise up, be great kings, they would see those prophecies being fulfilled. But they also knew there had to be more. It's like, oh yeah, so-and-so was born and became a great king. That reminds us of Isaiah 9, but that person wasn't born of a virgin. So then they would wonder, when is that fulfillment? Not only of a promised child, but also of a virgin-born child. The same is true here. That's why I believe in dual fulfillment. There's going to be a destruction of their literal temple, but there's going to be things described that would be impossible for it to be during the time of 70 AD. So then what do us who believe in dual fulfillment believe? We believe that the sign, and I'm skipping ahead here, is Israel becoming a nation after all of this. And then they build a third temple. And so like how their second temple was destroyed, their third temple will be destroyed, and that's the end of the age. Does everybody get that? You guys got to follow along, and I hope you'll see it. So he says, right here is how you know when your temple is going to be destroyed. And it's going to be similar in the end generation when that temple is destroyed. You'll see standing in the holy place the abomination that caused desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Daniel said, when you see this temple destroyed, run. Don't try to get anything. Just get out of there. Did that happen in 70 AD? Yeah, temple was destroyed. What is the abomination that causes desolation? Someone is going to come with a false religion into their temple, offer sacrifices to their God. That temple is now defiled. Did that happen when the Romans invaded them in 70 AD? Yes. Do I believe that's the only time it's going to happen? No. Let's keep going. I'll explain why. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Okay, so you got to leave whatever you got there. Get out. Let no one who's in the field go back to get their cloak. You're going to have to leave your Gucci coat behind. Verse 19, how dreadful will it be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers? Everybody go, ah. Jesus cared about you if you were pregnant trying to run from Jerusalem. That's literally what he's saying. It's going to be so hard for you pregnant and nursing mothers. Look at verse 20. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. How many know Jesus don't want you to be cold? Because if you can't get your coat and it's in the winter and you're running away, that's a bad time. Or if it's on the Sabbath, that means you were chilling. You weren't ready to get up and run. Now, verse 21 is going to tell me that this cannot just refer to the temple of 70 AD. Look at what it says. For there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. I don't know if you guys have ever watched these cartoons or these shows, kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where there's something going on down in the grass. There's like a, like a bee fighting an ant, and they're little small people, and there's all this, this music and sound going on. And then all of a sudden, it just zooms out, and it's like there's nothing actually going on. 
It's like, you know, is this grass and little birds are chirping? But down there in their part of the world, it's like, oh my gosh, there's ants and there's all this. Think about it. When the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, was the whole world in distress like never before? And never again? Like there's never been a city destroyed after that? Come on. I think Hiroshima is a bit greater than what happened to the Jews in 70 AD. But the Bible says when this happens, it's never equaled. See, that's Armageddon, isn't it? There's nothing like Armageddon. There's nothing like when Jesus comes. So what is this telling us? Like how this temple will be destroyed that you guys have pointed to is what it's going to be like when I come back again. But don't forget the sign because that's where it all ties together. Let's keep going. Verse 22. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Um, uh, Oh, excuse me, I I skipped a verse. Verse 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Was there anybody in history, and maybe you don't have time to read all of history at this time, but I'll I'll let you know there wasn't because uh, there's no record of it. Was there anybody at this time going, I'm Jesus while the temple's being destroyed? No, there's no record of that. Was there anybody doing a magic trick trying to deceive you while the temple was being destroyed? No. So that's not about that time. But guess what? Imagine this happening in the end, but what we see in Revelation happening the demonic signs, the Antichrist being raised from the dead after being shot. We see the false prophet making an image talk, literally almost like an AI. And then they're telling you, don't worry about Jerusalem. Think about all the progress we're making. Hello, somebody. You see, this is speaking of a time that when destruction is coming, there's deception as well. When destruction was coming to Jerusalem at 70 AD, there was no false Christ movement. There was no one world government. There were no signs and wonders at this time. It was literally just a small part of the world being destroyed by a big Roman empire. Let's keep going. Verse 25. See, I've told you these things. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go. Here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will also gather. Now understand this. If anyone ever tells you by Facebook video or YouTube or whatever pamphlet you get from one of these calls, Jesus is here, you know they're already lying. You will not have to be introduced to Jesus. And everybody say, spiritual Jesus. A lot of these cults try to say, the spirit of Jesus came upon me. No, there's a spirit, but his name's not Jesus that came upon you. The spirit of Jesus is not coming on anybody. The Bible literally says, as he went up, he will now come down, and we will see him like lightning from east to west. He will circle the globe faster than you and I can blink, and then he will destroy a large portion of the earth. And guess what will happen then? Birds will start to feast on the flesh. This is, this is the two ways you know Jesus has come. You have seen him. No one has to introduce you to him. And then number two, there is so much death around you that the birds are eating the flesh. So just think of 300 or any war movie you've ever seen. At the end of the battle, they're tossing the bodies on top of each other, and then they're celebrating that night that we won the victory. And little buzzards are coming down, picking at the flesh. And that's what it's going to be like. That's your Jesus. 
Jesus said, you want to know what it's going to be like? Like lightning and like vultures coming to the carcasses. Come on, somebody say, help us, Jesus. We don't want you to be here for that. Now, here's another indication that I know this. Uh, Zoe, come sit here in the front, please. Here's another indication that I know this cannot be the time of the 70 AD. Look at what it says. Zoe, come sit here in front so Daddy can see you. Everybody say, oh, church kids. There, there you go. You're going to sit right there. No, no, right there in front, please. Thank you. Look at it. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from the sky. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Either Jesus is the greatest lying poet we have ever seen in our whole life, or we don't understand how to take Jesus literally. Are stars falling from the sky supposed to be poetic? Or is he literally saying stars are falling from the sky? I take it as literally stars are falling from the sky because then he says, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So I love my Calvinist friends who are preterists who say it's all happened, but aren't you wrong. You are in error. This did not happen at the destruction of the temple. And then he will send his angels with a loud trumpet. Anybody know about trumpets in the book of Revelation? Coinciding with what Jesus is saying. And then they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. That doesn't sound like what happened in 70 AD. Yeah, it was a bad day, and maybe you could put some poetry on that. It felt like as if I would never see the sun. You know, people coming out of the Holocaust said the sun didn't even seem right, and it was until they got free that they could see the sun again. I get some poetic language could be in times of suffering, but the sun not shining, the moon being darkened, stars falling from the sky, seeing Jesus in an earth mourning. Why? Because Oprah now loses her kingdom, and we get it. Now Bill Gates is mourning, saying how he messed up, and if he don't repent, we get it. Can I hear an amen to that? The Bible says we inherit all of their riches. We rule and reign in their stead. So thank you, Bill Gates, for building that house for us in Seattle. The kingdom of God thanks you. And just remember, I don't have to take it from you. God's going to give it to me, and you're going to be crying that day, okay? So everybody get ready for Jesus. And does it sound like the trumpets happened that day and were all the people gathered into the kingdom of God on that day, 70 AD? No. So now we have to answer the question. Why is Jesus including in the discussion about the destruction of their temple all of this apocalyptic in-time discussion? Let's go to our closing section. Because now he wants us to learn a lesson from the what? From the what? The fig tree. What did he curse as he went into Jerusalem? The fig tree. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender, is the fig tree tender now? No, it's cursed now since when he cursed it, right? But at one point in history, it's going to get tender and its leaves are going to come out. You now know that summer is nigh. So what happened in 70 AD? Israel got removed from its nation, its homeland, taken away. And then for over 1,800 years, they were a nation without a land. 
And in 1948, after the greatest atrocity done to them, the Holocaust, for the first time, they're given back their land. Somebody say the sign. Now, it's up to you to read your Bible, my friends, and answer those questions. If you don't think I did it right on behalf of Jesus, I think I've done well today. I've showed you when these things will happen, this is what you're supposed to do and what they will look like when that temple goes down. I've showed you Jesus answering the question, what the end of the age will look like. And now, what is that sign that when you see it in the sky or written in big bright letters that you know his, near, his coming is near? What is that sign? Israel becoming a nation. The cursed fig tree under God's judgment now being restored to its land. Now, let me ask you a question. How easy do you think it would be for Jesus to predict that? Have the Philistines gotten back their land? Is there anyone even walking around today saying, I'm a Philistine? Have the Jebusites got their land? What about the Hittites? Has there ever been a people in the entire history of the known earth that have ever lost their land but maintained their identity for over a thousand years? No, the only ancient people that you can even think about are possibly the Egyptians. But they never lost their land and they're still not being ruled by pharaohs. The Jewish culture is literally the hourglass of heaven. They are the countdown clock for the universe. Everybody get this. And they are God's treasured possession. He has kept them in their same religion, in their same racial ethnos identity, and has even given them back their own land after being gone for over 1,800 years. So was it a coincidence when a people called the Jewish people got their land in 1948? No, it was the beginning of the end of the age. And that's why when I was reading those things from about the 1950s and 60s, did wickedness go up or go down? Did wars and rumors of wars go up or go down? Did false Christs go up or go down? Did famines and earthquakes go up or go down? All we see is it going forward. And that's why I believe that the Antichrist will come to a temple they build. And that temple will be that last thing before Jesus comes back. Now let's finish this off and then I'll give you the timeline. So you know the lesson of the fig tree. Even so, when you see all of these things, you know that it is near, right at your door. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Everybody say this generation. So you have two ways of looking at this generation if you accept everything I've shared with you up until this point. You have two ways to look at it. That literally, from the time of Jerusalem becoming a nation in 1948, whoever was alive at that time, to the one who lives the longest now, is the longest time frame we can have for Jesus to come back. So let's say you were a three-year-old in 1948. The average age is 80 years old, 90 years old. I'm not trying to put a date on anything, but you're expecting Jesus to come back. In 2030, 2040. Let's say at the longest they live to be 100. You're talking 2048. Is everybody with me? Now that's one way to interpret it. 
Another way to interpret is generation just means those who were around either by their parents' knowledge or their grandparents' knowledge. So even though I wasn't in the 60s and I'm not of the generation of the 60s, I can learn a lot about the 60s because my parents were there and I can still be considered knowledgeable or a part of that. That's a stretch, but some people believe that. Now, I don't believe that. I actually believe when he said this generation who sees this, that sign this end of the age is the last age. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That's what I think. Let me show you the chart now. Pull out your tinfoil hat. Get your uh, yarn ready. Everybody got their yarn. We're going to piece it all together, and it's all going to make sense. Okay. Here's the way I want you to see this. Just enlarge it just a little bit, please, so it covers the whole thing. When you talk to a pastor about the end times, ask him, can I see your chart? Because most pastors will have a chart about the end times. Every pastor that loves the end times is going to have an end time chart. Just a little bit more and it's going to look perfect, please. And so this is the end time chart that I've made. Now, if you go back to the introduction of our notes, please don't go there in the back, sir. Just leave this here. But on your own time, you'll see that under the word end, I put a hyperlink. You can listen to all the different Christian opinions there. There's actually a video I have of scholars debating what they think. Some are preterists, like the ones who I mentioned before. And then there's others about uh, different times of when they think Jesus is going to come back with his wrath and tribulation. So here's the way, like I said, the majority of Christians on the earth today believe it, the major denominations. And so mine is not too creative in that way, but I just made it for myself so I don't have to worry about copyrights, okay? So you got Jesus coming 33 AD, he uh, dying rather than ascending to heaven. You got Pentecost after that, the book of Acts, the Bible's written, okay? 70 AD, the destruction of the temple, we've already talked about that. The Jewish people leave their land. Now remember, they do not come back to their land till here, so all of this time right here is they're in exile. That's why I believe this is the sign of the end of the age, okay? What is the significant thing that happens here is the Reformation. We break away from the Roman Catholic Church. We love them as people, but we don't like their organization. We got the Bible back in our hands and all of those things. Now, remember, what am I saying the sign of the time of the end is? Israel becoming a nation. That's 1948. But if you want to push it back a little bit more, they did not occupy Jerusalem until 19. 1967. So once again, if you use 100 years as the oldest someone would possibly be, maybe 105, what are we saying Jesus is coming back? Sometime before 2070. Now, I'm not going to sell a book called 2070 and start asking you to put up billboards all over the country and make me rich, and then I won't be here in 2070 to know that I was wrong. <clears throat> Jehovah Witnesses and a bunch of other cults who have done that. What we will say is this, that would, if, if he didn't come back by 2070, you have permission to say Joe was wrong and remake this chart, okay? That's all, I, that's all it would be. I, I don't know because what I would be wrong about would be the generation. So I don't know how else to interpret it. Maybe somebody around 2070 will reinterpret generation a little bit different. But let's go with this system right here, okay? So Jesus says this is the sign. Boom. Now, what are we supposed to see from the time of Israel becoming a nation till now? We're supposed to see those events and those signs and those things. And are we seeing them? I believe that we are. Okay. 
Now, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the rapture. So we're right here preaching the gospel to all people. That's the last thing we need to do as the church. And then, boom, we get raptured to heaven, which is a whole nother discussion at a different time. What that basically means is that we get taken bodily to be with Christ in heaven. So we are not here during the Antichrist. We're not here during the mark of the beast and all those things. Pastor, what if we're wrong? If we're wrong, get ready for the mark of the beast and don't take it and get ready to be beheaded for Jesus because it's about ready to get crazy. Some people believe we're going to be here for the tribulation. Either way, I'm going to get out of here when God takes me home, okay? So I just believe we're going to be raptured. Now, what happens after we're raptured? The world turns to aliens, to different dimensions, to new age. They fill in the gap. Even HBO made a miniseries about this, Left Behind. I think they called it Leftovers. And so this whole idea is the world's going to be in turmoil. What's going to join them together? That's where we believe the rise of the Antichrist will come. One world government and then make illegal Christianity. But what's going to happen sometime here with the Jewish people? They're going to get their temple. So they'll make peace with the Antichrist, still thinking that Jesus was never really the Messiah. But the Bible then teaches us, as we've learned, that they will be bamboozled just as they were in 70 AD, but this time it's the end. So the Antichrist will come to that temple, destroy it, do all the things that we learned about before, but this time more intensely. And then while he's doing that, what's going to happen? God is going to bring wrath upon the earth. That has never happened. Stars will start falling from the sky, okay? Excuse me. He will not destroy the temple. He'll defile the temple, not destroy. He'll try to destroy it towards the end, and that's where Armageddon comes. But he will defile it, take it over. And that's where we believe that the 144,000 Jews come from. Not what the Jehovah Witnesses say, that that's some special kind of Christian. We literally believe during the defilement of the temple, not the destruction. That happens three and a half years later when the Antichrist gets fed up with them and tries to destroy Jerusalem. Uh, so I hope I didn't say that in the first service because I caught myself here. But uh, he'll defile it here. And when he defiles it here, these Jewish people from their tribes get saved. And they become those end-time evangelists getting ready to usher in Jesus' second coming. But three, three and a half years of tribulation are the horsemen of the apocalypse. They're the bowls of wrath. They're the trumpets. But the last trumpet is when the Antichrist and his great army tries to destroy Israel. Jesus shows up. Does anybody think I have tin hat, uh, tin hat on yet? Am I crazy? You guys just following me here? It's like, and then there's this, and then there's this. It's just, you know, it's just so wild and far out, right? But I love the Bible. Okay. And so Jesus is going to come back, boom, ping, pow. Uh, the Antichrist gets destroyed. Satan is thrown into the pit. We rule and reign for a thousand years. Remember that. The Bible wins in the end. We get the kingdom of God. We don't go straight to eternity. Eternity is just all Christians, all God-fearing people. But we have to have a time, Jesus says, where the kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven where he rules on a throne like David did and we have a legitimate rulership over other people on the earth. And as I've shared with you before, it's not too outlandish to think about because we think of superheroes living with people all the time. Like, it's not that weird. Like, Superman, he lives with other people. So we will be like superheroes living with the normal people. And if you think about it, if we're there for a 1,000 years, it's only weird for what, a couple of years, 10 years, 20 years? After that, the rest of the 980 years, everybody's used to it. Just as if you grew up with giraffes for 10 years, 20 years, giraffes would be normal to you. Are you guys following me there? Like, you'll get used to walking around with saints who are glowing and have power. That's who we'll be. And then we get the final judgment. Satan and all of his followers are thrown into the lake of fire. And then the new heavens and the new earth. That's it, baby. Come on, stand up and get up for Jesus. 
What pastor are you emailing if you have any questions? Everybody now together, Pastor Adam at mpichurch.org if you want to talk about this chart further. Abandoned altar workers, would you come, please? Let's go back to the questions and let's see if we answered it. It's a lot to take in, but can I tell you the next part of our sermon and the next time that you'll see me and that I'm preaching on Actually, go all the way up to the top, please. Really has nothing to do with the signs and all of those things. It all has to do with being ready. The Bible says that the end will come like a thief in the night. People will not be ready. Uh, Zoe, stay here for me, please. Thank you. People won't be ready. Now, you might ask yourself, how in the world can we not be ready when we're seeing all these signs? All of these things happen, even the big sign, Israel becoming a nation. The reason is, please get this, don't, don't be distracted. I want you to hear this as we close. Is because we are so easily deceived. We're so easily deceived. Think about it. We rewrite history and don't even remember where we came from. Most of you, if I asked you, what happened 100 years ago in your, in your family line? I don't know, 100 years ago. See, most of us, what are we just living for today? And so today it's normal we kill babies. Today it's normal people are changing their bodies. Today it's normal that people are calling themselves Jesus. Oh, that's normal. That's totally normal. It's normal that we could at any moment launch nuclear weapons across this globe and destroy most of it in moments. It's normal. You live under that threat. Like, yeah, of course. We could shoot one to Russia, Russia towards us, China towards Pakistan, Pakistan towards Japan, Japan towards Canada, Canada you know, boom, boom. I mean, we could blow this thing up in moments. Never been a generation that lived with that threat. Never. But that's normal for you. It's normal. It's normal that everybody, most everybody in our cultures, except for Kanye, is turning away from Jesus. That's awesome that Kanye's turning towards Jesus, but what's the vibe you're getting from most of your friends? Most of your friends is, I used to go to church. I used to believe in that. I used to do this. A lot of falling away. Get used to it. We get used to the idea that Christians are being persecuted. I wear this bracelet. I tell you about the nation, that Korea, you know, different nations. Korea has concentration camps. India gets, people get beaten in the villages. China, they're tearing down churches. In the Middle East, they're being killed by their own family. And you're just like, normal. Name of Jesus is known in other nations, and they're killing us for it. What are we missing? We're missing the big picture. We're missing the forest for the trees. We're not understanding that literally every single one of these things we're used to is what another generation said, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. Give you one real quick here. In the book of Revelation, when it talks about the mark of the beast, do you think any culture before 10, 15 years ago could take serious the idea Everybody would be cashless, goldless, silverless, and only make exchanges based on a number on your wrist or forehead? 40 years ago, even in the 60s, of course that can't happen. I'm a farmer. I'm going to go over here and farm. I don't need a mark. How are you going to limit me? I'm going to go trade with Joe over here or Bob Farmer over here. And now all of a sudden we know of surveillance. 
We know of GPS. We know of tracking. You think Mike's going to be able to farm land? No, dude. They're going to have their, their drones above our areas. Boop, boop. Guy doesn't have the mark. Someone's farming without a mark. Arrest them. Get them off the land. Get somebody with the mark. Gone. Another thing, since I'm on this topic. It says when the two witnesses come, which I believe are Elijah, who was taken to heaven, and Enoch, will come back and be two end-time witnesses in the final days of the tribulation. It says they'll stop the rain, they'll do miracles, people still won't believe, they'll kill them. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, all the world, just like it says in these other ones, all the nations, all the world, it says all the world will see their bodies rejoice and give presents to each other how in the world before your generation could we all see somebody's body live you take that for granted oh uh hey how you doing today in philippines you guys having a great mission trip that's awesome we miss you guys here wake up friends jesus said watch out I mean, they asked, they were there for us. They were our representatives. They asked him, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And Jesus started right at the beginning. Watch out. Listen, before I tell you all of this, before I go into all the details, before I tell you about all these scary things, here's the big thing I want you to get. Watch out that no one deceives you. And so here's what I want to say in closing as we get ready to go. Thanks for your patience today. As surely as the first words of the Bible are true, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, so are the last words of the Bible. He is coming back. He is making it right. I know our 80 years seems like a long time. I know what you're doing right now seems so important. And it would seem to be crazy to have all these things, stars fall from the sky and all this. But I am telling you, as surely as the one who put them there, and they're there now for us to see, is as surely as he's going to start casting them down. You say, they're far away. Yeah, they're going to be coming in hot and fast. The earth and the world as you know it will forever change. So today, as you leave out of here, will you be ready? I know I want to be ready. I want to get my kids ready. Amen? Father, we thank you today. We ask you to get us ready. If you're here today, just with head bowed and eyes closed, and you're playing around with wickedness, your heart for God is growing cold, would you ask Jesus to forgive you, set you on fire? If you've been here uh, listening to me, maybe you're not a Christian yet, or you have been one, you're back, so just rededicate your life to the Lord. Get ready. Don't wait till it's too late. Just like we don't know when we're going to die, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And those of you who would say, I'm ready, would you pray for your friends and family who you know are not ready? We know these things are coming, but I'm still believing God for 100,000. I'm still believing God for souls to be saved. I'm still believing God for my sister. I know there's going to be a lot that go the other way, but I'm still believing that the ones I'm praying for are coming. Or at least let them have a choice to change today. Let no one be taken away without having a choice to, and a chance to hear the gospel. Let's preach it to them. Lord, use us. Use us. Use us. Lord, I pray for my sister. I pray for my brother. I pray for my neighbors. Help us, Lord. 
we get ready to dismiss, the band will pray, uh, will worship, we'll pray up here at the front. You can come up for anything. They're here to help you. But please make sure you're right with God. Father, thank you today for teaching us to watch out and to prepare for your coming. I pray we'll do that now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Stay warm. If you want to worship or pray, come on up. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Watch out, friends. He's coming.